everyone, Jason Martin here, and before we get to this uh, episode of the podcast, I wanted to let you know that uh, the conversation that Warren, Karen, and Jennifer had uh, in this episode was really great, uh, but it went a little long, and so I, we made the decision to uh, divide it into two episodes. So part one is what you're listening to right now, and uh, it is being released on Monday, January 22nd, 2024. And part two will be released a week from today. Uh, it should be the next episode that comes in the feed on Monday, January 29th, 2024. Also, uh, in the episode, they discuss some comments made uh, by Pope Francis and I went ahead and included a link to a transcript of his comments in the show notes for both episode for part one and part two. So if you wanted to read those comments in full, uh, you can do that at that link. So uh, with that said, uh, here's Warren to introduce Karen and Jennifer and uh, this episode. Enjoy. Welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Warren, and our topic for today's episode is inspired by some recent comments from Pope Francis. Uh, On November 30th of 2023, the Pope met with members of the International Theological Commission. And in some unscripted remarks to that group, he noted that the commission was comprised predominantly of men. He subsequently made several comments about the need for the church to not only include women's voices, but to also reflect on the feminine dimension of the church. And at one point in those remarks, he said this, The church is woman, and if we do not know what a woman is, what the theology of a woman is, we will never understand what the church is. One of the great sins we have had is to masculinize the church. And so on today's episode, we want to talk about the church, the Pope's encouragement to sort of demasculinize the church, and to think about what that might look like. And so joining me for this conversation today are a couple of special guests to our podcast to help us kind of think through these things. Uh, One of our guests for today is Karen Smith. Hello, Karen, and welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for doing this with us. Uh, Karen is, I think we can say, a friend of the vine. Karen has has preached for us a couple of times, and she is also currently a student at Northern Seminary, where she is working toward a Master of Arts in Women and Theology. So that seems like a definitely an area of expertise and an insight that will be helpful for this conversation. So I'm glad that you that <laughs> you're so. here to help us think through this today, Karen. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And our other guest for today is is Jennifer Jones. Hello, Jennifer. Hey, glad to be here. So Jennifer and her family are members at The Vine. Jennifer has been helping us with a lot of our social media stuff. If you follow us on social media and have noticed an uptick in both volume and quality of what has been going on on social media, that is all thanks to Jennifer. So... Uh, she's been doing great work there for us, but also has been doing great work on improving kind of the aesthetics and the vibe of some of our gathering spaces, including our fellowship hall. And I know that Jennifer also has a wealth of knowledge and insight and experience as it relates to scripture, to theology, to the church. 
And so, so thanks for, for spending some time with us today, helping us think through this, Jennifer. Yeah, I'm glad to get to talk about this. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of start here. First of all, I just want to kind of acknowledge at the beginning, I know that the, the Pope's comments were kind of specifically directed primarily at the, at the Catholic Church. And, and I thought it was interesting that, especially as I went back and like read his comments specifically, he had some prepared remarks for this, this group, but almost it, he almost seemed in the moment to be just perturbed by the fact that this was mostly a group made up of men. And, and so that's why I think it's interesting that they were, they were unprepared remarks and the Catholic church, even as they kind of released these were, were, were quick to say, or, or were very upfront to say, these were unscripted remarks. These were things he just kind of said on, in the moment. And, and I know that, so like I said, these were specifically kind of directed at and for the Catholic church. But I also know that when the Pope says something, especially says something like that, it reverberates kind of beyond the borders of the Catholic church. It has ripple effects throughout the larger, um, the larger scope of Christianity and, and extends to other faith traditions. So that's, that's part of it. But I also then imagine that what he said about the Catholic church there could also probably be said about the church in general, about other faith traditions. Um, it's, it's not an issue that is exclusive, I think, to the Catholic church. And, and so as we begin kind of thinking about this, I'd be curious to hear from each of you. Maybe you can just kind of each kind of begin to, to kind of give your initial thoughts on this. I'd be curious to hear from each of you kind of how and where did you first hear about the, the Pope's comments related to this matter? And then how did those comments kind of initially hit you? Just what was your visceral reaction to them? So whichever, you, whichever of you wants to start, you can kind of take that and we'll start there. Um, I think I'll go. This is Karen. I think I first heard it, I think it was on social media, um, probably saw it on Instagram or Twitter or something like that, you know, with a, the tagline, basically, that the church needs to demasculinize. Um, I think... I immediately, if I'm really honest, I immediately did not like it, um, which might surprise you. But I think it's because I, I, I think we would probably agree in the, in the same theology, but I didn't like the way that it's being said. Um, I say that because I've heard even recent sermons this last year that might describe so in when talking about theology of women you kind of have two main camps complementarianism and egalitarianism and i've often heard it said well egalitarianism is where women want to rule everything and complementarianism is where men in charge and when i've heard that i'm kind of screaming in my head like no that's not it <laughs> Um, no egalitarian scholar that I know is arguing for women to rule everything. They're only arguing for equality. And so um, I'm an artist, but even have like a little sketch of a man on one side, a woman on the other side, labeled as patriarchy and matriarchy, but in the middle is a man and a woman showing egalitarianism. And so I think what I initially disagreed with the Pope is 
it's not that men should go away. They're a good thing for the church. We need you. Um, But in that same breath, maybe it is time to open more spaces for women as well um, and listen to women's voices. And so I think I agree with him in longing for more women's voices. And like he said, I think he pointed out in that speech, just in his off the cuff remarks, I think he counted like one, two, three, four, five. There's only five women in this room. And so I think he would agree that we need more women's voices. I think I disagree with the way it was delivered of, I personally, it's not that I want, um, a demasculinization of the church. I think I want both voices in it. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I also didn't really love the, when I read his statement, um, to me, when I was thinking like if I were in the shoes of the women that were in the room at that time, all of a sudden I would have felt as if instead of me just standing on equal footing, I'm being singled out as women. And I, I don't know exactly his tone, but he even said, um, poor women, they are al- alone. And I get I get the the heart behind it like and i i appreciate that he you know is trying to lift them up but by trying to lift them up it feels kind of like you're being used as a prop instead of like just standing on your own as someone who has like the same amount of equality as the other theologians in the room like it would have just made me feel very dismissed in that moment um And then the other part that perhaps I'm just not understanding exactly where his head was at while he he was saying it was he was talking about some some woman theologian that has helped him a great deal. And um, he said she had studied that history and the theology of that and the theology of that woman was not so deep. But it is beautiful. It is creative. And, yeah, I and noticed I that too. I just felt like how incredibly dismissive to like, like, oh, you're not as deep. But what you're saying is beautiful and creative. I don't know. It just to me, I don't, I don't know really how to get to the point of equality without pointing out the injustices. But sometimes when you're trying to point it out so much, it feels like it's almost setting people back even further like it it just doesn't feel like you're standing on your own merits you're only there because you're female and we need more females in the room type of thing I agree I think it's um important for leaders in situations like this to not tokenize women but Mm -hmm. to also not patronize them in their effort to hear their voices as well. Yeah, man, there's, there's so many things about this that are interesting to me, partly because, so we're recording this on a Friday and I'm preparing to preach about Jesus being in the home of Mary and Martha, well, to be in the home of Martha and Mary is also there. That's, that's the sermon I'm preaching Sunday. 
And I tend to think that a lot of the ways that modern Christianity talks about and thinks about Martha is very patronizing, I think. So you can listen to my Sunday. I won't, I won't get into that here now. That, <laughs> you can listen to the sermon on Sunday for that. But I do think I w- it's interesting that you brought out that, that part there, Jennifer, about what he said about that theologian. Because I do think... I had a similar thought there that it's almost like he was reinforcing some gender stereotypes there about women may not have a lot of depth, but they can offer some creative stuff. Um, yes. Which. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's kind of how it sounded to me. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and as someone who, who, who does, you know, preach every Sunday, I've noticed my, and that's why I think it's interesting that these were like, like I said, un, unprepared remarks. So these are sort of off-the-cuff things, and I've gotten myself in trouble sometimes with saying things off-the-cuff that you haven't put a lot of thought into, but also sometimes those can kind of reveal what's really just at the surface of your, of your thoughts and what is kind of there at the most kind of prevalent, the most forefront of what you're thinking or experiencing. And I did, I did find it interesting, even for myself, when I first read other people's thoughts about what he said... I found myself agreeing much more with it than, I, than when I read what he actually said. And so I want to kind of talk about both of those things today. So we're starting with his comments specifically, but then we'll kind of move on from that. Because even in, what, so in, even in that quote that I read at the beginning, he said, if we do not know what a woman is, what the theology of a woman is, we will never understand what the church is. To me, that almost still assumes like male leadership. I'm curious if y'all hear it that way. To me, I almost still read that as like, if we, the men, don't understand what a woman is, we can never fully grasp what the church is. And How it's we still, need to lead. <laughs> right, yeah. It still yeah. almost assumes this idea of kind of, we need to hear from the women in order to fully grasp things, but there's still this idea of us at the top are men. Do y'all hear that the same way? I do. I am willing to be generous in uh, theologically. Like, I don't know exactly what he's thinking there. I do. I had a quote later. He did say at that theological commission, he said, we need to move forward on this. Women have a way of reflecting on theology that is different from us men. Women, and then later he added, women have a different capacity for theological reflection than men do. So hearing that, I'm like, okay, maybe he's not meaning to be as patronizing as it's coming right. out. Like, I appreciate the learning <laughs> and the using his voice to fight for women. Um, I think I, I have not followed Catholic theology, you know, very deeply, but of what mm-hmm. I've read about him as a pope, I have, I have a lot of respect for him. Um, he yes, seems yeah. very different. You know, the first South American one, he doesn't live in the normal uh, Pope housing. He lives in a separate, uh, basically lesser than space. Um, he's given up, I guess, things that other popes have enjoyed. <laughs> and I respect him a lot for that. And he seems to generally have a, maybe a different view for the least of these uh, at least one that has made me a Protestant notice. I'll say that. Um, 
And so I think because of that, I want to be generous and think that he's, he's not meaning to be patronizing, but it is <clears throat> coming across that way a little bit. Um, I would love to sit down with those five women or so that were in the room and hear their <laughs> thoughts and how they felt about it too. I think that for me, like the thing as I was trying to prepare for this was trying to parse out what is the theology of a woman? Like he's, he, we, what do we need to know that a woman is? And I just feel like that's incredibly generalizing. Like there's a million different types of, of women and we all have different perspectives just like men do. And so like, I, I don't know, it feels like it's talking about us as, as like one like like group where there's not a whole lot of difference or something. And that was really like where I was struggling even in trying to prepare for this because I feel as if the way that I express my femininity within the church feels very different from how a lot of other women do. I mean, I think you could even see that in the Mary and Martha story because I that that story, the character of Mary has always been the biblical character I relate to the most. Um, I she's my favorite and like I very much love the idea and um relate to the idea of just wanting to sit at Jesus's feet and learn. And I'm not really very interested in all of the stuff that Martha's doing, which is what I've always felt like I've seen most of the women in the church doing. And to some extent, very happily like that, that feels very satisfying to a lot of women. And I also feel like I have been, it has been assumed that I want to do those things. And what I really want to do is sit at Jesus's feet and learn and be respected and able to say, you know, be a conversation partner with, with the other oftentimes men. And it's like, kind of like, I don't know. A lot of times it doesn't feel like I have, that is the assumed place that I get to be. But, but I don't know, like, is that, I don't think that's the experience of every female within the church. That's not the desire. So there's a, like a very diverse way of being a female in the church. And that's where I kind of went with that is it felt very generalizing, like, like women in theology are only saying one thing or, or expressing it in one way. I agree. I think there's, um, I resonate with that as well. I, when I think back just through my life of like women's ministries and maybe extracurricular activities that they have, like they absolutely make me cringe. Usually <laughs> like I don't want to come to that. Um, but I've kind of always grown up as like a, a bit of a tomboy and enjoyed things outdoors and not been, um, I don't know that I've ever felt like, I guess maybe a typical girl in some ways in that regard. Um, and so I think it, it, in some ways it makes this whole conversation confusing because yes, I want to ask the Pope, like, what do you mean by the female voice? 
Do you, um, I suspect he, and I looked a little bit, um, the theologian he was referencing talked about, it's like a theology of Mary or a theology of Peter. And so they see Peter, you know, as the, the very first Pope essentially, and that being passed down in a long line that can be traced, um, to each one. And then Mary being a more feminine side of the church itself. And so I guess I, I kind of want to pepper him with questions. Do you see Mary as a leader of the church or do you see her as mother? Um, I think the answer is mother, but I'm not mm-hmm. Catholic, so <laughs> I don't know for sure. Um, and then what do you do with women that aren't mothers or that can't be? And do they have gifts that are worthy of the church um, if they've not been able to experience that? Is there redeeming things about being a female that is not a mother that is helpful for the church? I say yes. Um, but I think a part of that, too, is we're all individuals. And so there should be a beauty of that, that I and my tomboyness and another woman could come who is very feminine and bring things that are good for the church too. Um, so I don't love, I guess, the generalization either of, um, maybe it's, I like both, but I don't like them men and women being pinned against each other. Uh, is that's yeah. maybe sort of the flavor that I feel is it's like men versus women mm. and him saying we need both. And I'm sort of like, can we not say men versus women? Can we just say we need both? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of my thought is I just want to have a place. And the fact that I'm a woman, I don't even want to be a consideration. Like mm. I would. Yeah. You just want to be would, Jennifer. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and I feel like that should be on both genders, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, we should all just be able to express ourselves in our unique way. Um, and, and not feel like there are certain areas that are feminine and certain that are masculine. I think it's, it's, it kind of transcends that to me. Mm-hmm. I think it feels polarizing. Um One of the things that also made me think of when I first heard it, so I worked for a church, gosh, this was probably about 20 years ago, and uh, it was a large church on staff there, and they had everybody on staff read this book that had just come out, and it was called Why Men Hate Going to Church. And the premise of the book was church is feminine, church is for sissies, like you're you want to hold hands and sing Kumbaya and that's not who Jesus was. Um, at one point, I think in the book, he quoted John Eldridge and who said, Mr. Rogers with a beard basically is Jesus right now. Telling me to be like him feels like telling me to just be limp and passive, be nice, be swell, be like mother Teresa instead. And if I was young when I read it, and because of feeling more tomboyish, there were things that I resonated, I remember, in the book and liking it and thinking, yeah, like I could see how, you know, a big burly cowboy from Texas 
man is not going to want to go to a church where you're holding hands and singing, you know, sweet, sweet little songs. But at the same time, it also felt confusing for me of like, okay, if it's this black and white, then what am I and what is wrong with me that I don't want to be in your women's ministry that, you know, I don't know, makes flower arrangements or whatever. (laughs) Like, those aren't bad. And I like those things, but that's not what I want to spend my Tuesday night doing. Um, And so I think it caused a lot of frustration in me and kind of a just thinking there must be something wrong with me as a woman then because I don't look like the women in this women's ministry here. Um, Now, since then, I say, no, I can be feminine just as I am and want to be outside and want to do these things. But there's a beauty in that. Um, But I think it, I guess a big problem overall I just have is with the polarization and the, it has to be black and white perspective. Um, What I didn't love specifically about that book too was it, a big focus on it was masculinity in leadership is decisive. It's tough. It's a man, much like John Wayne, you know, he's coming in and he's, do- he's not going to mince words, even if it makes men mad. Men respect this. That's what they want in a leader. And as I, so I kind of looked back over this book for this podcast and I was thinking as I was reading it, I thought, man, but what if it was a black man? What if a black man walked into your church that's predominantly white and was all of these things? He was tough. He was decisive. He wasn't fair. He didn't care what you thought. He doesn't mince words, even if it makes you mad. Are you going to respect that? Like, I don't think so. (laughs) And I think he would immediately become a threat to Mm -hmm. them, which I think is what happens to women when they enter in these spaces and also exude these same quality of a leader that they say they want in a man. And so I guess for me, a big question is how can churches do this well? How can they have space for a woman to have a voice and not have this knee-jerk cultural reaction to she's a B word if she's a strong leader and says what she thinks or things like that? And what do you do with a man that is more gentle and kind and subversive. Is that wrong? I don't think so at all. Um, I think it looks probably more like Jesus led. And so how do we take all of those as a church body and have space for all of them, but do it well and help people to look like Jesus in their own unique way? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I I think to to have a space for all of those voices, I do think, to me, is at the heart of the matter. Because to go back to something, Karen, that you said kind of a a while back, this idea of, well, what what does a feminine voice look like? And I think both of you kind of spoke to that, that there may not be um, like one united feminine voice. but I think to, to me, as I, again, as I, especially as I heard others kind of commenting on his remarks, and as I reflected on my own experience in the church, 
it's the idea not so much of like cutting off sort of the 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 feminine expression so to speak or feminine perspective but just totally cutting off half or more than half of the church from any type of leadership voice or input or um or or perspective or insight whatever it may be um that like in in excluding women from those places we are already cutting out at least half of the church, which just seems wrong and patriarchal and whatever else we might add to that, right? And and so, like, I think, so to kind of move away, I guess, specifically from the Pope's comments, just to kind of church in general, I know that was like the, the church context that I grew up in was very much one of male leadership, but it was always male leadership with this undertone of, well, like I've, I've used the example in many cases here. There's always this joke. I grew up in Churches of Christ, and there was always this joke in Churches of Christ that elders, who are always male, would not make decisions at an elders meeting the same week that like an item was brought up, that you'd have to like, quote unquote, pray about it until the next meeting. And the, the unspoken truth there was that something would be brought up in one elders meeting, They'd all go home and ask their wives what they thought about it <laughs> and then come back at the next elders meeting to make a decision. So it was like they were always sort of there was this undercurrent of of sort of involving them, but we couldn't really do it out in the open. And and there's all this like dynamics of power and and who really gets the, the kind of final say and voice in that 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 is inherent in that. And so I think we all kind of bring our own church experiences to whatever we, we hear or experience. And that was part of what I think I, I heard when I first, again, heard reference to, to what he had said about demasculinizing the church. And I've told several people here at the Vine that that was one of the first things. Like I had theologically moved to a place where I was definitely more open to sort of, quote unquote, expanded women's roles in the church. Um, mm. But we, at that time, when I first kind of got there theologically, we were still at a church that was very male-led, um, and but it was a Sunday morning when, when our daughter looked at me in the middle of worship and said, why do only boys get up on stage? That was her mm. question. Mm-hmm. They kind of pressed it from more of a theoretical and theological issue to a practical one for me, where I was mm-hmm. like, well... We need to be somewhere that is modeling something different for, for our kids. Um, and because I want to be a part of that too, but I think that was the impetus of it was, mm-hmm. was I want our kids to experience something different. And, and so I'm curious to hear from each of you in, in your kind of own church experiences, how has, how has the church sort of been masculine, so to speak, or, or where have, have, how have you experienced um, just kind of churches to, to prioritize male leadership or whatever it may be? Um, how has that, how have you experienced that in your own kind of relationship experiences with church and, and what has that looked like for you? And I know some of that may be obvious, but some of it may be more subtle too. Um, I, as I'm thinking through this, I'm, kind of realizing I can probably count on one hand my experience of visiting churches that were fully empowering to women, fully egalitarian. Um, 
I'm in my mid 40s now. And up until this point, I have never been a member of a church that has been fully egalitarian and fully empowering women. Um, and that's been really difficult. Um, they're usually in my interaction with leadership in those spaces, they would often say, well, we love women, we empower them. They might even give an example similar to what you gave with the elders, you know, it, it might be like, well, I go home and I talk to my wife and I ask her opinion and she's, she's got leadership here. Um, but there's also something insulting in that to me that's just like, then why not name it uh, and fully honor her in that? Why does it have to be so under the table? Um, it's, it's like you love women, but you don't want to tell anybody about it. <laughs> and it's, it's been frustrating. Um, I think that that also very uniquely can, uh, cause problems in women's relationships with other women. Um, I think like I've, heard of and been a part of different situations at churches where women knew if I speak up in this scenario, it will set other women back if I speak up for them. Like in a sense, they'll get punished if I speak up for them. And so you kind of have to have a power dynamic of like, when, when do I speak up and who will it hurt if I Will I go confront her even, you know, if I'm a voice for her and different things like that? And how will that affect others? Um, I also think that I, I look back in my own life and see places where I, um, I began to become complacent and grateful for breadcrumbs when the men were eating full loaves of bread right in front of me. Um, I, I actually, this morning was just listening to a podcast with a good seminary friend and she was talking about her church experience and, um, at a very well-known, uh, large mega church that was egalitarian in name, but not behind closed doors. Um, but she said, when you find yourself in the undertow of a system, you learn to take breadcrumbs and you learn to celebrate those breadcrumbs because you were hungry at the other tables. And man, that just resonated so much with me in thinking about my life. I thought that that really does sum up a lot of my feelings of being a woman in complementarian spaces um, where I'm being handed breadcrumbs, but being told I should be grateful. And you are loved, you are seen here, you are valued here, but here's a breadcrumb, come back Sunday for more. <laughs> um, and it just was not the same for men. And then if I did speak up, there were ramifications for that, either you weren't given any more breadcrumbs or other women around you weren't given breadcrumbs or a very uh, 
strategic system full of lots of power and social power that didn't affect just you. It, it rippled out to other women as well. Well, um, I grew up in a cooperative Baptist fellowship church. So we actually did have women deacons and um, a lot of like interns that were training to be pastors that were female. So that never really was like something that I grew up feeling as if was like impossible or, or anything. Like I did see that being modeled. Um, I think that maybe the struggle for me personally was I've never wanted to be a preacher, you know, and I don't necessarily even really care to be a deacon. Um, and so, and that felt like, so then where do I fit within the church as a female? Um, because I do very much still want my voice to be heard, right? And, um, you know, going back to something you were saying earlier, Karen, about um, feeling as if you're, like, just in terms of like if a male a white male says something in a certain tone of voice or or whatever then they're being assertive and they're taking leadership and all that and but if if a woman does that then they're being a bee right um well that's actually not my struggle because i don't have that tendency within me. Like I'm not a very assertive type of person that would be going against my nature to be that way. Um, so, but I do actually know my stuff. Like, like I, I love learning about God and, and all of that. And, and I have, and probably more well read than a lot of the other people in the group and stuff like that. But I kind of feel as if, um, the way, and this might go towards a feminine quality in general, the way that I approach gaining the knowledge and communicating it um, isn't respected by people in the same way that if a male was saying it, um, they, they would just naturally get the respect for what they're saying. Whereas for me, I feel like I'm kind of having to fight for the respect. And I think that that is because to some extent, I'm coming at it from perhaps a slightly more intuitive, emotional approach that isn't, um, it doesn't feel as logical and logic is propped up as like, you know, the, the seal of approval almost. And so I can see to some extent that that might be a way that the church has been um, masculinized, like, and the, the embracing the feminine quality might be being able to um, connect through an intuitive lens when like approaching God. Um, and by the way, and that's where I got tripped up with trying to even define feminine because I have seen that modeled to me by a lot of men that, that come at it from an intuitive way. So like, that's not something that only women can do, but I just think that there is perhaps more of a, a natural inclination for at least some women 
to be able to connect to that place. And that could be um, something that if it was valued would actually be very helpful to men as well. Um, Like that could be something that could be offered. And then instead of it being one against the other, that brings us all together and we're experiencing God together and kind of able to use the things that we're naturally like bent towards to help someone else and bring them along with us. Jennifer, thank you for that. Cause I do think, yeah, cause while we don't want to overgeneralize there, there are strengths that um, maybe are more predominant amongst each genders or whatever you want to say that no matter what, we want to make sure that, that we're not cutting off valuable perspective and insight, regardless of where or who it comes from. Right. And, and that that's, I think, part of this whole conversation. So I appreciate the way you, you phrased that and, and worded that there. 